You're listening to WGSR, bringing hope and comfort to the world, 24 hours a day. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Lock it on to the best station on the net, online, around Around the planet, planet, on the the World World Wide Wide Web, Web. streaming 24-7, internet radio. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. What's going on over there? It's been quite a week. It has. And we are again yeah, on a Thursday night. Session 108. Who'd yes. have thunk it? Who'd have thunk? It's nice to uh, have my voice back. Yes. Mm. My lips are in the right place. <laughs> you can blink your eyes. I'm not to talk eyes. sideways into this microphone. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just, actually, I just listened to session 105 today and I could he, he listen to your voice and the slurring and everything else. And oh, my god! We were mean to you making you speak that night. I know. I asked you guys not to make me talk, and uh-huh. you stared at me until yep. I talked. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that was so you could be a testimony, though, that oh. you had Oh, you were doing it for me. And, oh. oh, I see. It's a testimony, though, because <laughs> you at first had thought you had a stroke, and that mm. could have been permanent, but well, praise yeah. God. It, uh, you betcha. I'm, it um, healed up. I'm... Um, very glad that it wasn't the latter. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm still mean. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all right. Anyway, uh, it's so glad that you guys tuned in with us tonight. And uh, and for the guys listening on Mixler, welcome. Um, I know that we've got some shout-outs, Trish. You got some shout-outs yes, over there? I got some shout-outs. We got some Facebook likes. We have, and I know this is Officer because I met her, Officer Aaron Razzo. Thanks for liking us on Facebook. Also, Lalit Bisht and Meryl Burroughs. And then our countries that we have shout-outs to is Malta, Cambodia, and Nepal. And speaking of Nepal, I actually have a praise report for you guys. I have a couple of praise reports. Um, one is that there's a girl, I'll call her Teresa, that used to serve in the children's ministry with me at Real Life and She's the one that taught my daughter about Jesus, and she was a fantastic aunt, but she always wanted a child of her own. Well, her father passed away, and that was tragic for her, but he had a life insurance policy, and she struggled for a bit after he passed away, but then she decided to adopt a baby girl. Oh. oh. So she's now going to be a mommy. She went to cool. India and adopted a baby girl. Congratulations. Wow. Yeah. And then another praise report. You know, we had the testimony last week, which was um, R.C. Diaz. All right. And Alfonso and Juana Diaz, who had the accident, um, they had 35 grandkids and 11 great-grandkids. And they just had to put out $30,000 for two funerals. Right before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I reached out to several churches in the area and Family Christian Center and Pastor Van Rick Wagner have stepped up to the plate and they are going to help us 
provide 23 kids with toys for Christmas. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And then also um, Lakeside Church, Pastor Jason Height out in Oakland, Florida. Uh, he had Sheila call me this afternoon, and she is going to give us some Publix gift cards for the Diaz family so that they will have something to put on the table for Christmas Day. Wow. Wow. Thanks so, for thanks for the listeners out there that uh, are stepping up. Yes, we appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you so it's nice much. to know there's Christian brothers and sisters out there looking out for their own, you know? Yeah, you know, and I have a suggestion. If you um, are blessed... Like we are blessed. Get your get your your office. Um, when I worked at a law firm, we actually got the law firm to adopt a family through a local church, and we gave them a Christmas like nobody's business. And there's just a lot of people out there that have a lot of needs right now. And so, if you're blessed and you have a job, get together with your people at your office and set up like a secret Santa or something for a family. It'd be really nice. Great idea. Yeah. So, do you want me to introduce our guest now? Would you like to introduce our guest now? Okay. What would you like to do, Trish? <laughs> I'm done with the praise reports. Well, anyway, if you want to get a hold of us, if you have a testimony, you can contact us at God Stories Radio at Gmail. And, Mikey, they can tweet us on Facebook. On not on Facebook, on no, Twitter. On Twitter. What a numbskull. Right. We're on Facebook. But at God Stories Radio. But, you know, as you bring that up, yes, we are looking for testimonies. You can, obviously, we'd love to have you come in in person, but we can do it through a phone call. Uh, and we can also do it if you uh, wrote something down and wrote it, and one of us will read it on the on the air. We can get it that way as well. But if God is tugging at your heart, to give your testimony for those someone's out there that need to hear what uh, God has done in your life, please contact us. Our only agenda is to give hope, comfort, and encouragement through the power of the Christian testimony. Amen. Especially this time of year. People need it more oh, than ever. yeah. People need it more than ever. Well, speaking of coming in person, we have a, a gentleman that we drove away to, to come in, in person. person tonight. Yes. In person. We have Pastor Andrew Columbia, and yeah. he has a book out. It's called Transformed, and it's put out by New Life Today Ministries. And uh, I'll let him read the subtitle to you guys. You'll hear it in his testimony. But without further ado, I give you guys Pastor Andrew Columbia. Hello. Hey, welcome, Andrew. Thanks for welcome, coming. Welcome, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you very much for having we me. We appreciate on. it big time. We ask a lot of people, and not everybody says yes. <laughs> well, I'm blessed to be here and a testimony is is Amen. given to be shared Amen. absolutely right. absolutely and again uh let's throw this in a god thing um anthony wouldn't be here pretty much uh i was uh going to church and coming out the door one night uh, saturday night actually and uh jim brown who gave his testimony back i think it's session 33 and uh we started talking, and he says, well, you have a testimony coming in on the 8th, which is today. And I said, well, I didn't see anything on the schedule. I didn't see nothing. He says, yeah, I, I know the guy. And he gave me his name and everything else. And So I get a text of, is there somebody coming in on December 8th to give their testimony? And I was like, no, not that I know of. And then he mentioned a little something, and I said, oh, wait. There's that email I got. 
Uh-huh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> so that gives me encouragement. You know, we were a little dry here for uh, a number of months, and it just gives me encouragement that uh, Father is uh, still sending Providing. him our way. Yeah. Well, I had her to add to that testimony. I, our next week's guest contacted me this morning, said that she had listened to uh, Tina's testimony on the way to work, and God pricked her heart, said, you need to give your testimony. Wow. I said, well, what about this Thursday? Right. And then the following. The following Thursday. Well, actually, no, not the following because it's a couple of days before Christmas. January 5th, I was uh, at home and uh, uh, someone that we've asked a couple different times happened to uh, help uh, my roommate move something in. And there he is. And I says, didn't you get my message that uh, I heard you wanted to give your testimony a couple months ago? And he says, and I already looked it up because I knew he was coming. I already looked up the date. And he says, well, put me down for the first Thursday in, at the beginning of the year. And I says, that's January 5th. We'll see you then. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. Praise yeah. the Lord. Keep him coming. That's right. I so anyway, it. we have Anthony here. Go. Andrew. 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 Yeah. Andrew. Man, I can't wait to hear what he's got to say. It's going to be good. All Take right. away, Andrew. Well, once again, thank you for, for having me here. And I just think of it as a privilege to be able to share what God has done in my life because um, God has taken me from some very dark places and um, he's transformed me. And that's why I called the title of my book Transformed. And uh, the subtitle is When an Angry New York City Cop Finds God in a Rooftop. <laughs> and uh, that, that's exactly what happened to me. But let, let me go back a little bit before that just to give you a little uh information about me. When I was young, I grew up in Staten Island, New York, um, Italian family, grew up New York City. Um, my father was a police officer. Three of his brothers were police officers. One was a fireman. So uh, police officers were in our blood. It was in our family. Um, I grew up in a, in a middle class average family, was a, into sports and athletics, mischievous type of a kid. Um, at a young age, though, I always felt like there was something wrong with me. And uh, I didn't know why. I mean, for the most part, I thought I had a pretty good life. I was active, athletic, um, did everything that most normal kids do. But there was just something, something deep down inside that bothered me. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And it didn't surface till I was a little bit older. But I just want to start with that, just so you get that foundation that I did feel at a young age that there was something wrong with me. I just couldn't put my finger on it. And as I grew up and I went through the teen years, like most people, teens go through some things and get mischievous. Hormones are raging. You get a little crazy when you're a teenager. And I got a little mischievous and got involved with some stuff that uh, I probably shouldn't have as a young man. Um, but again, um, this this feeling like there was something wrong started to grow in me and, and manifest. And um, again, I was athletic. I played sports. I was very good at sports. I um, had a lot of friends. I did a lot of things. But uh, something was nagging on the inside of me. And, and I grew up Catholic, so I grew up in a Catholic home. Uh, we were nominal churchgoers. We really didn't go every week. As a matter of fact, my mother used to, and my father used to send me and my brother to church when we were little, and they'd give us the two offerings for church. And uh, one I'd give in, the second one we'd leave and go to Dunkin' Donuts and uh. go eat donuts and have uh, some, <laughs> some milk and hot chocolate, <laughs> you know, because we weren't supervised. So, so my church life was, was, was kind of like that in the early stages. I've always believed in God. I always uh, knew there was a God. I just didn't really know him on a personal level. Right. So going into my teen years, um, I, I did some things that I shouldn't have did. I messed around with some stuff that I shouldn't have. And this inner feeling of emptiness, this inner feeling that something was wrong kept growing. And um, one of my good friends, uh, Frank, his mother was a Christian. She was a, 
a born-again Christian. She went to a, in a big church, a big Christian church. And I used to talk to her a lot. I just found comfort in talking to her. She was a very nice lady, and she was always there for me. So I began to open up to her and tell her that I felt like there was something wrong, and I didn't know what it was. So she told me she'd pray for me, and she also encouraged me to go to her church. And as I said, I grew up Catholic, so I didn't know too much about other type of churches. It was a Christian church. And um, finally, I said, I'll go. And, and I went to the youth group with her son, and, and it was interesting. I got something out of it, and, and I kept talking to her. And she finally said to me, I want you to go back to the church. And there's a woman in the church. Uh, we call her the prayer warrior. Mm-hmm. I want you to meet with this lady, and I'd like her to pray with you. And I was like, prayer warrior? What does that mean? She Ooh, goes, well, she... The War Room movie. There you, there you go. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly what this lady was. So um, she talked me into it. So finally, I said, I'll go. So I went to meet with this woman. She was a, a cute little white-haired lady. And uh, she was sitting in a desk in front of me. And she, she began to talk to me and asked me what was wrong. And I told her, I really don't know. I just feel like there's something wrong. Something's bothering me. And I, I don't understand what it is. So she said, I'm going to pray for you. She goes, and uh, I just want you to listen to what I have to say. And then she said something that I thought was really strange. She goes, if you feel yourself wanting to hurt me, stop yourself. And I was like, wanting to hurt you? Why would I want to hurt you? She goes, I'm just telling you that. I said, okay. So I just listened to what she said. And this woman started to pray over me, and it started out nice and soft and gentle. And then it got very intense. And when she started praying intensely over me, I felt something I've never felt before. I felt this presence on me. And I just began to weep. And I began to sob, and I just kept saying, thank you, Lord, for choosing me. Thank you, Lord, for picking me. I kept saying that over and over and over. I didn't even know why I was saying it. And she prayed for a long time. And when she was finished, she said to me, she goes, young man, I want you to come back here again, and I'm going to have the elders of the church come here and pray over you. She goes, God has a calling on your life. God is, is calling you into the ministry. And I said, the ministry? What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't know anything about the ministry. She says, God has a call on your life. I want you to come back. Well, I, I thought she was nuts, to be quite honest with you. I said, I don't know anything about a call on my life. I don't know anything about coming back and having people praying over me. And I got scared. So, um, you know, I-, I Especially did, after having that feeling. After having that feeling, Ooh, I felt something. The and spirit, it, and it, yeah. it was It was real. Now I know it was the Holy Spirit. Right. So, um, you know, I, I went back to that church for a little while and then drifted off. I, I did go up to the altar during a service and make a profession of faith to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I really didn't understand what I was doing, but I did do it. And, and it did impact my life. And, and, and let me share this. I invited Christ into my life. I, I prayed the sinner's prayer. I put him in my heart. But then I made a decision after that. The decision was, I'm not ready to live for God. Mm. So I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. And I actually remember when I told my friend Frank, I said, come on, let's go out and get drunk because I'm not doing this. This is too heavy for me. I'm too young. I want to live my life. I want to have fun. Keep them at arm's length. There you go. I think you're in good company, Andrea. Uh I think we've all been there. Uh, A lot of people have been there. Oh, you bet. But here's the interesting thing. Even though I went back to being mischievous and did a lot of crazy stuff and things I shouldn't have done, um, I've always knew God was with me and it would be the weirdest thing. I'd be in a nightclub drunk in the middle of the night and I'd hear God's voice say, you don't belong there. You should go home. And I would fight it and resist it. I was like, why am I hearing this? Well, who's talking to me? And it was persistent. And, and as bad as I was getting, as drunk as I was getting, high as I was get, 
I, I would hear this voice because I, I really did call out to God and invite him in my life. And he wasn't leaving me alone. He was, he was calling me. He, he, was, he was working on me. But I was resisting it like a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. I was resisting it. So back to saying that I felt like there was something wrong with me. I never really found out what that was, but I just knew there was something wrong. Went back, went away from the church, went back into the world, got, got married, became a police officer very young. I was 20 years old when I went into the police academy. Um, became a police officer at a young age. I met a, a young, young lady, excuse me, at that time. Got married young. Uh, we had a kid right away. I was a police officer in Staten Island, New York. I started out in Staten Island. That's where I was from. And that's where I wanted to work. It was, a, it was my community, a nice area. Um, I thought I was going to be there for my whole career. But while I was in training in Staten Island, one of the bosses noticed that I had an attitude problem. Oh. And uh, he didn't like the way I dealt with people. As a matter of fact, um, one occasion, for instance, which I remember, which really ticked him off, was uh, there was a disturbance in a bank. And I was doing a foot post at that time. And I, and I came over the radio and I picked it up. I said, I'll go check it out. And I went into the bank, and there was this guy who was acting crazy. He was throwing papers all over. He was yelling and screaming. He was scaring everybody. And I walked in there, and I told him to stop. Well, he didn't stop. He didn't listen to me. So I proceeded to grab him by the back of the neck and throw him out the door, and he went flying out the doors of the bank, rolling down the stairs as the sergeant pulled up with the car. Well, he saw that I did that, and he said, that's not the way you're supposed to act. That's not how a police officer handles a situation. And I said, well, you didn't see what was going on in there. This guy was scaring everybody and acting crazy. I just wanted to get him out. So well, that you was, didn't shoot him. I didn't shoot him, no. I did not shoot him. So uh, that was the first of, of several instances that uh, this sergeant did not like the way I did policing, and he basically told me that I had a bad attitude. Mm. So after the training, the six months of training, it came time for permanent assignments, and uh, I'll never Where forget. did he put you? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how he said it your to buddy, me. Your buddy, your pal. <laughs> oh, yeah. He said, Columbia, I'm sending you to the Fighting Ninth. And I said, the Fighting Ninth, where's that? Oh. He goes, it's in the Lower East Side of Manhattan, just where you belong. Cement wow. City. It was Alphabet City, the Lower East Side. And uh, back then, in the, it was in the late 80s, uh, the Lower East Side was one of the drug capitals of the United States. It was infested right. with crack. That was the beginning of crack. And um, Bowery and Bond Street were, were homeless shelters. And I'm not exaggerating when I say there were literally hundreds of people on the street. Just masses of people, high as a kite, doing crack, doing drugs. It was just crazy back then. So here's a kid from Staten Island, grew up in the suburbs, didn't know too much about the city, and now I'm immersed in the inner city to the Lower East Side of Manhattan to work in the Ninth Precinct. Well, I didn't like it too much. Well, you got a gun at least. <laughs> I, I, I had a gun, I had a badge, but um, I, I did not like it, and I didn't yeah. want to be there. And, and basically, I, I told my father, and, and I did have a little bit of an attitude, I'm going to admit it. I told my father, I, I think I'm going to quit. And he said, what are you going to do that for? He, I said, I don't like that they sent me to this place. I don't want to be here. I've always respected my father. I've always loved my father. He's always been good to me. And he said to me, listen, you're going to learn a lot there. Just mm. stay there, endure it. You're, you're going you're gonna to learn. So reluctantly, I agreed. And I said, okay. I listened to my father. I said, I'll stay. But I still had a bad attitude. <laughs> I, I wasn't. Uh, someone who respected authority like I should, um, to be quite honest with you. So uh, seeing some things that I saw in the Ninth Precinct, um, working in that type of an environment, made me become bitter. And what do I mean by that? Well, um, you know, and I, I share this sometimes when I share my story. There's a lot of region, region, reasons for racial tension and prejudice. 
And a lot of it is because of not understanding certain dynamics of how people live and how people grow up. Their culture. Their culture, Mm -hmm. their environment, uh, family life. And when, you know, you grow up in Staten Island in a middle class family and I'm used to seeing things a certain way and I'm thrown into the middle, the the middle of the inner, of the inner city and I'm seeing situations that I'm not familiar with and are very uncomfortable for me. And it, it, it frustrated me. It agitated me. It made me angry. Um, you know, just to give an example, just to be real with you and give an example, you know, one of my first calls, I'll never forget. It was a family dispute and I get to the house and there's a mother fighting with her son. Now, that seems pretty normal, a mother fighting with her son, but there were two other people in the picture there. There was the mother's boyfriend and the son's girlfriend. Hmm. Well, in in listening to the situation, the mother's boyfriend was the son's best friend who was 18 years old and the woman was 45 years old. And the girlfriend of the son lived in the house with the mother and the boyfriend. So I'm in there saying, what kind of stuff is this? And then the mother got mad at the kid and took a shoe and threw it at his dog and took the eye out of the dog. So the boyfriend is fighting with, so I'm, I'm looking at this stuff and I'm saying, people really live like this? This is, this is real life? This is crazy. These people are nuts. I'm, I'm being honest with you. That mm-hmm. was my mindset. And, and being immersed in, in a place where, where you're unfamiliar with how people are and, and different things, it made me get bitter. It made me get angry. And, and I told you, I had something bothering me to begin with in my life that I couldn't put a finger on it. Now I'm a police officer. I have a gun and a badge. I'm working in the inner city. I have aggressive tendencies to begin with. I'm a little bit of an aggressive guy. And now I have a platform to be even more aggressive. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was one of those cops. I was one of those angry, it's mean, like the perfect storm. prejudiced cop. I was the guy, cop that everybody hates, to mm-hmm. be quite honest with you. And, um, you know, so, so I'm working and I'm seeing these things. And, and then another quick story for you, which really blew me away, because this one sticks in my mind pretty strongly. It's a bunch of young girls hanging out in the corner. The oldest one was no older than 17 years old. And I heard them having a conversation. And the conversation was, who was going to father their next child? And I'm sitting there listening to this, and I'm looking at these girls. I'm saying, I bet you not one of these girls is over 17. So sure enough, I walk up to them. I'm in uniform. I'm a policeman. I'm on the, I said, can I ask you girls a question? I said, are you having this conversation that I think you're having? Are you talking about who's going to father your next kid? I said, how many kids do you have? How old are you? One girl goes, I'm 15. How many kids do you have? Two kids. Another girl, I'm 16. How many do you have? Three. How old are you? I'm 17. How many do you have? Three. And you want to have more kids? Are you guys married? No. Who takes care of your kids? Our mothers take care of our kids. Your mothers take care of your kids, and you're out here running the street wanting to figure out who's going to have your next kid? you got to be kidding me. And and it was stuff like that, that, uh, you know, just seeing drunk junkies, people strung out with, with heroin needles in their arm, homeless people freezing to death in the street. The things that really got me the most were kids. When, when I saw kids being abused, watch mm-hmm. out. If, if I was there and, and somebody, I mean, I, I saw things. You're speaking to the choir. You know, some of the things, I, I you know, it's hard for me to even speak about because the average person does not see what a police officer sees. No. You know, we're going in when everybody else is running out. Right. We're, we're seeing things that nobody else wants to see that we have to see. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my first calls for a suicide, I'll never forget this one either. We get called to this house. Um, the family was at church. The guy hung himself while his family was at church. So we're in the house waiting for the family to get packed. So how do you like that one? We're sitting there waiting in the kitchen while the guy's hanging from the stairs. We can't take him down until the ME comes. And here's the mother and the daughters and the family coming in from church, seeing their father hanging there. 
and we got to be there and come, you know and, and just watch the hysteria the 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 pain the hurt and you know you'd see those things over a period of time you start getting hardened to it mm-hmm. so how do you deal with it you get angry how do you deal with it? you drink you know one of the things cops do a lot of cops go to the bar we used to do different shifts we'd do a 4 to 12 shift then we do a 4 to 4 you know from from 12 to 4 we'd be in the bar and, you know, we'd be drinking in the bar. You know, you, you want to look for ways to cope with these type of things. Right. A lot have PTSD, post-traumatic stress, and all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, you know, dealing with things like that. So, you know, I, I was bitter. I was hard. I didn't like what I saw. And then you go home, and I had a family. I had a young family. I had a wife. I had one son. Then I had another son. And, and I'm taking this, you know, you don't want to bring the job home, but you wind up bringing the job home. Because you're thinking, if you saw what I saw today... And you don't want to talk about it, but it comes out in different ways. You know, I would get angry and punch holes in my walls. I had holes all over my walls. I broke my wrist one time as I hit a beam and punched right through the wall. You know, um, so, you know, a lot of cops go through stuff. And then the, the, the issue is, who do you talk to about it? Right. Because if you talk to somebody on the job about it, and then... You get reported. You get reported and you get psyched, you're done. Now you're crazy. Now you're psyched. Now you lose your job. So you got to be careful who you talk to. And, and what you do, you know, so a lot of guys, these pressure builds and, and things happen and they don't know how to handle it. So, you know, that was kind of what I went through for, for the first five years of my career. Also reminding that I had something else in my life that was hindering me that I, I wasn't dealing with because I felt like there was something wrong. Well, all of that culminated and I'll never forget it. Um, I worked a part time job at, a, at doing security to make money for my family. And it was in Harlem, New York. And I used to go to Harlem after work sometimes and work security. And I used to go up to this roof at 3 o'clock in the morning and lock up at night. And it was something I did on a regular basis. So I found myself going up to this roof and kind of meditating. I don't want to say praying at first. I want to say meditating. Just quiet time, peaceful time. It was like my time of solace to be alone. And um, I did that on a pretty regular basis. And then one day I went into work. And again, you know, you never want people to see that you're in pain or suffering. You want to mask it. Most, most people want to hide it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the type of guy, I was into working out. I was a bodybuilder. I, I lifted weights. I was big. I always wanted to present myself as someone who was in control, someone who had it all together. And, you know, nobody wants to be found out. That's just the way it is. And I'll never forget, I was, I was frustrated. I was angry. And one of the guys that I worked with, uh, who wasn't really a great friend of mine, he said to me one day, he called Columbia, you look like you're going to explode. Mm-hmm. And when he said that, I just said, I'm found out. That's it. I was just so ticked off at that moment. I was like, this guy just exposed me. Like, why, why did you do that? He, go, he said, you look like you're going to explode. And, and that was it. That's all he said. He didn't say anything else. And I was just so angry. I said, I'm found out. That's it. You know, and, and all these emotions started coming over me, all these things. And I was working that job at security that night. So I'll never forget, I, I'm going to work at that security job and I'm I'm thinking in my mind, you know, what am I going to do now? How am I going to deal with this stuff? Now I'm found out. This guy knows I got issues. And, you know, I'm thinking all these things. And, and I get into the job, and I'm, I'm doing what I have to do. And then I'm going up to the roof where I would usually go to meditate. And that day when I was walking up to the roof, I was so frustrated. I was so angry. As I'm walking up to the roof, I started to, to yell. I started to curse. I started to question God. And now I brought God into the picture. I started saying, God, what's wrong with me? And why do I feel like this? And why am I so angry? And why am I so frustrated? And how come I, I'm, I feel like there's something wrong in my life? I want to know what's wrong with me, God. And I started to, to curse, to yell, to scream. Then I took out my gun and I began to wave it in the air. And I said, God, if you're real and you're there, what's stopping me right now? from blowing my brains out. I want to know what's wrong with me and I want to know now. 
And when I said that, something happened that changed my life forever. I felt a presence so strong. It was like a tractor beam from heaven. Best way I could describe it, like Star Trek. You ever see that tractor Mm -hmm. beam? I felt like a tractor beam from heaven just came over me. I felt this presence. And then the words came out of my own mouth. You were molested as a child. Mm. I said, God, if this is true, I want another sign. And the words came out of my mouth again. You were molested as a child. And I said, God, if this is true, I want another sign. And the third time that I said that, the presence intensified so much. My hands went up in the air. And I began to speak in this language that I knew nothing about. I began to speak in another language. I don't know what beliefs are about tongues. It's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about the gift of tongues. Mm -hmm. I got the gift of tongues on that roof. Nobody else was there. It was me and God. Nobody laid hands on me. Nobody told me to say a word. The Holy Spirit came with fire and baptized me on that roof. And I just felt this presence. I don't know how long I was encapsulated in this presence. Could have been five minutes. Could have been an hour. Could have been two hours. I don't even know. But I was in this presence and I felt this love. I felt this. It was like all the questions, everything the doubts, the questions, the fears, everything that I had in one moment was instant, was answered by God. God mm-hmm. just supernaturally downloaded on me and mm-hmm. touched me in a mighty way. But here's what's interesting. What happened next was as, as much as that presence came and was so strong and was so powerful, it stopped instantly. And then I'm standing up there and I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> I said, was that real? And, and I, I'm like, what just happened to me? And, and I, I ran down the stairs and I went to the guy at the front desk. I said, look, I'm going home. He goes, what's the matter? I said, I'm going home. And I'm in the car and I'm, and I'm, and I'm getting these weird emotions because I, I felt better, but I, I, but I felt weird. I didn't understand what happened Uncertain, to me, yeah. but I knew something happened. And I'm driving home and I'm flying home and it was late at night. And, and I, I get home and, and my wife at the time, I woke her up and I said, you're not going to believe what just happened to me. And she said, what happened? And I told her about the experience on the roof. I told her what, what words came out of my mouth. And she said something to me. I'll never forget it. She goes, no wonder why you've been so angry. No wonder why you got so much anger in you. When she said that, I let out a scream from the pit of my gut. I felt all this, this pain, this hurt, this everything that I was holding in from the job, everything I was holding in from, my, from the abuse. It was like as a demon. This, this evil presence just came out of me. I let out this roar. It was like, Rah! and I felt it leave. I felt it go. And then I felt peace. And all of a sudden, I started talking in that language again, that crazy language that I didn't understand. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And this went on for about an hour. After that, I slept better than, that, and than I've ever slept in my entire life. I felt clean. I felt different. I knew that, that something left me, that an evil presence that was inside of me left me. I felt it leave. And, and I knew that I had an encounter with God. And I woke up the next day, and I felt great, but I still couldn't wrap my head around what happened to me. I was like, is this really real? You know, I, I felt different. I really did. I felt, I felt light. I felt free. And it's funny because I went back to work, and I'm still kind of trying to figure this whole thing out, but I'm, I'm looking different. People, on, people are coming up to me on the job saying, what happened to you? You look different. Mm. And I go, what do you mean? You, go, you look different. There was a, a female cop that I work with. I'm not going to mention her name. She was, she was from uh, Trinidad, and she, her nickname for me was Evil. <laughs> and the reason why she called me Evil, she said, because when I look in your eyes, all I see is pure evil. Ooh, she, used to t- she used to tell me that. And that's why she used to call me Evil. Well, when she saw me, 
she looked at me and she said, what happened to you? She goes, you don't have that look in your eye anymore. You're different. And immediately I, I noticed things started to happen. I, I stopped cursing. I used to have a filthy mouth. Every word out of my mouth was F. Everything, I, I, you know, cops usually do have bad mouths. I hate to say it, but they do. Like my, sailors. Yeah, like mine was, mine was bad. And all of a sudden, I wasn't cursing. And, and, you know, people would ask me, why aren't you cursing? And my answer was, I'm not angry. And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, I cursed because I was angry. Think of what a curse is. You know, how could you uh, express anger in, in, a, in a demonstrative way? Cursing, you know, cursing, yelling, screaming, whatever. So when, when that evil thing was taken out of me, I didn't want to curse anymore. So then some other stuff started to happen. You know, th- th- so I'm, I'm still going through trying to figure this thing out. Who am I going to talk to about it? Who am I going to tell I, I, I knew something really powerful happened to me, but I didn't have to deal with it. So here's where God steps in. Real, real, God's just incredible. It's just awesome. I'll never forget it. It was in April of 1992, and it was a sunny day. It was around Easter time. And uh, that day at roll call, they put me with this guy named Tim. Now, I knew Tim. Tim knew me. I didn't like Tim. The reason why I didn't like Tim is because Tim was a minister, and I didn't like <laughs> I ministers. Say, angry angry cops again. don't like ministers. <laughs> So, I, you know, I, I'm like, okay, I'm working with this guy today. What's this going to be like, you know? And, and we get in the car. It was a sunny day. It was a beautiful morning. And as soon as we get in the car, he says to me, hey, do you mind if I put on a radio station? I said, no, go ahead. Put on whatever you want. So he puts on this Christian radio station. And we're driving around, you know, in, in the Lower East Side in Alphabet City. In the mornings, it's beautiful. It's peaceful. Everybody's sleeping. They're out till 4 or 5 in the morning mm-hmm. in chaos. They sleep in the day till 1, 2 in the afternoon. So it was pretty mellow in the morning puts on this radio station we're driving around this guy gets on the radio station and starts talking about how god healed them and delivered them and i'm listening to this thing and i'm hearing this story and i'm saying wait a minute that sounds like me and i'm listening to the story i said well pull over pull over he goes what i said i gotta tell you something and i shared with him what happened to me and it was so interesting because i'm sharing this story and i'm trying to tell him i don't understand is it real what happened and he just starts laughing and shaking his head and i go what are you laughing for he goes man is god going to use you Mm -hmm. he goes god is going to use you in such a powerful way and i said why would you say that i'm still trying to figure this out he said and he said something that the light bulb went on in my in my head he said you asked god what was wrong with you and he told you i said you're right he goes how do you feel i said i feel great i feel clean he goes, well, well, Jesus Christ healed you. And like I said, I knew Jesus Christ. I accepted you. And all of a sudden it went up and I just received, I realized what happened. It was like it, it, God just instantaneously at that moment revealed to me what happened, that I was delivered from mm-hmm. evil, that God exposed deep sin in my life, deep hurt, deep pain, and that he set me free from it. So needless to say, me and Tim became best friends. And uh, all the little details that God puts up in there, he puts you with that man. That, that day. day. Isn't it amazing? And you heard that story that day on At the that radio. Time. That's right. It, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it's amazing. And oh, Tim, his father was a pastor. So he uh, invited me to church. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, and, and, and once I realized, and this was the main thing, when, when I realized that God delivered me from evil, because that's really what he did, mm-hmm. I, I fell in love with God so strongly. Because nothing or no one else could take that pain out of my life. I, I, nothing could dim the pain. 
Nothing can take it away. I figured I'm going to have to live with this my whole life. Hopefully, I'm going to hide it good, good enough so nobody's going to see it, and I'll be able to get through it. I'm just going to have my anger episodes. You know, I, I thought I was trapped in that mindset, that behavior forever. But when God delivered me on that roof and he set me free, and I realized the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of God, the mercy of God. God didn't condemn me on that roof when I was cursing at him and yelling at him. He did the exact opposite. He embraced Mm -hmm. me. He gave me his love. He gave me his peace. He gave me his presence. He let me know that he loved me, and he he died for me. And and when the reality had hit me, I was unstoppable. I read the whole Bible in one week, the whole entire Bible, read the whole thing, and started memorizing it. I've only heard people do that in prison. (laughs) Well, I I was in prison until that experience in another way. And uh, I just started sharing my story with everybody. I started telling people that God delivered me. God healed me. from, And and I wasn't embarrassed to say it. I said I was molested as a child, and that's why I was so angry and fighting. God healed me from that. And other people would tell me, that happened to me, and I never said anything. I said, well, guess what? God can deliver you from that. He did for me. He can do it for you. And and then my, my whole entire police career changed so drastically. I went from being an angry, mean, aggressive, prejudiced cop with the nickname Evil. With a nickname Evil. <laughs> and Iceman. I had two nicknames. One was Evil and one was Iceman. Um, to being a, someone who was filled with so much love and compassion that all I wanted to do was tell people that what God did for me, he can do for you. If you'll, if you'll receive Christ. And, and the miracles that took place after that, the things, the encounters that I had on the job, certain stories of one, which I remember in detail, me and Tim became partners and we worked together. And uh, we got a call one day to a school that there was an emotionally disturbed child. And it was came over as an emergency. So we, we rushed to the school and we get in the office and there's like six teachers holding down this kid. And this kid is foaming from the mouth. He's screaming. He's yelling. And I just walked over to this kid. I put my hand on his head and I said, be still in the name of Jesus. And he just stopped. Mm-hmm. I said, sit up. He sat up. He goes, I'm thirsty. I said, give him a drink. They gave him a, a, a carton of milk. And they were all looking at me saying, what the heck just happened here? I said, Jesus healed him. And they go, what do you mean Jesus healed him? I said, did you hear what I said? In the name of Jesus, be healed. And stuff like that, God just would give me these encounters. I, I, another, just, I'll just share a few with you, but there's so many I could be talking with you here for hours, but just a couple. Um, another one was a guy, and this is, this is kind of freaky, but it was real. I wouldn't say it if it wasn't real. I was so filled with God's presence and God's spirit that I'd be walking down the street in uniform and somebody who was possessed by a demon would walk by me and start cursing at me. Jesus killed my mother. Jesus killed my father. And I would lay hands on him and say, in the name of Jesus, come out. And I was casting out demons in the street in uniform. Another time, a psychic shop, got a call for a psychic shop. There was a dispute in the psychic shop. I walk in the psychic shop. When I walked into the shop, the guy started trembling, shaking. And I remember looking at him and I said, you need the Lord to heal you. And believe it or not, in the psychic shop, there was a Bible on the table. I said, put your hand on that Bible. I want to pray for you. And I put my hand over this guy's hand. I said, Lord, I just pray right now that you heal this man. You deliver him. He stopped shaking. He stood there. I said, you got to stop doing this stuff you're doing. All this stuff is not of God. You need Jesus. And I would just have encounter after encounter of just Holy Ghost experiences. Mm-hmm. But here's what I want to talk about. Not really the experiences. I want to talk about the love. Because the motivation, I believe, and why God allowed me to do th- those things was because 
I had such a love for the Lord and what the Lord did for me. I just wanted other people to experience that. There was no other motivation. There was nothing else. It was, if God can heal me and deliver me, guess what? He could heal you and deliver you. And, and I just, I, I just loved the Lord. I started preaching in, in missions. I started preaching in the street. I was just, I just fell in love with Jesus, got involved with a church near my house and um, wound up doing ministry. I was doing as much as I could as a, as a volunteer until I, I heard the call of God. And there was one day, I'll never forget it. I was, I just, I was walking down the street and, and Lord, what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? And the Lord said, I want you to serve me. I want, I want all of you. I want you mm-hmm. to, I want you to serve me. And, um, uh, was a cop for 10 years. Um, I, I felt called out of the police department. I, I fasted and prayed for 21 days to confirm that my time was up on the police department. And I, I left the police department. I, I went into a, a business, the business world for a couple of years, but I was heavily involved in ministry and I wound up becoming a pastor. I was a, an assistant pastor in a church for a couple of years. And then I wound up becoming a senior pastor. And, uh, for the last 20 years, I've been, I've been serving the Lord. I was out in Pennsylvania for the last 15 years, pastoring a church, New Beginnings Church in Pennsylvania. And just recently, the Lord called me and my wife out. He called us out. Um, we moved to Florida. We've been here now for about three months. And uh, I'm oh, just... only three it. months. Three months. Uh-huh. Wow. And, and God, you know, it's funny because I, I wrote a book and, and, you know, you have the book Transformed. I wrote that book about a year and a half ago. When I left the police department, I never did anything with the police department. I went into the ministry. I was immersed in the ministry. And the Lord started tugging on me a couple of years ago. I want you to tell your story. I want you to write your book. And I want you to minister to to cops. And um, it's something I never did. So I wrote that book. And as soon as I wrote that book and I started giving it out and speaking, immediately God started connecting me with police officers. Mm -hmm. And... uh, I became a chaplain with the Billy Graham organization. I'm on the strategic task force with Billy Graham because uh, uh, they, they have a task force that goes out to all the disasters and, and hotbeds. Mm-hmm. I, I was in Maryland. I was in Baltimore. I was in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, that's a blessing. I, I love doing that. It's just such a blessing to be able to go and minister in those places. But um, God has, has called me back into the arena of law enforcement, but not as an officer now as a chaplain and as a, I believe an evangelist to law enforcement. And, and one of the things I'm working on right now, which God laid on my heart and, and he's putting the pieces together, but he brought someone to me who has the ability to do these things is we want to create these events to honor our heroes. We want to have these special concert evangelistic services to honor those in law enforcement, first responders, military and then give them a message of hope mm-hmm. and pray for them. Right. And uh, I'm in the process right now of putting together one in Florida, in Brevard County where I am. We're, we're just starting to do that right now. And then the vision for this is to take it all over the nation. Go to you know, Police need encouragement. Mm-hmm. They need to be respected. They need to be loved. And most importantly, they need Jesus Christ. So me being that guy that everybody hated, um, and God changing my life. Like I said, I know if God can do it for me, he can do it for anybody. And, and what he put on my heart to do was to be that messenger. You know, speak your story. Tell your story. Tell of your hurt. Tell of your pain. Tell of your fears. Tell of your prejudices. You know, I, I've been preaching this message, and, and I've had the opportunity to do a, a couple of special services in churches, which we call P- Police Appreciation Sundays, where they invite law enforcement. And, and I would share, you know what? I was prejudiced. Let me tell you why I was prejudiced. You know, and, and it's amazing because 
the response that I would get from the African-American community was they loved it. They were like, we need to hear a white man say what you're saying. We need to hear that. We need to hear that, that this is the, the, you're being real. You're being true. You're being honest. And I said, well, that's, that's who I am. And that's, that's how God made me. But that's the message that God wants me to spare that you can change. I don't care. You know that, you know, where is the power gospel today? You know, I don't want to get into the whole church thing. I just came out of being a pastor. But, you know, the message of Jesus Christ is not only unto salvation. It's unto deliverance that God not only will forgive you, but transform you, make you a new creature, a new creation. Old things pass away and all things become new. It doesn't matter what the sin is. When God changed me and delivered me, I didn't care what your issue is, whether you're gay, whether you're a drug addict. It doesn't matter. All I'm here to tell you is, God loves you. God can deliver you and heal you from that and make you a new person. He can give you a new heart. He can give you a new life. And that's the message. Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to give life and life abundantly. God doesn't give us his word to keep us in bondage and captivity because he wants us to be miserable. He tells us, not only do I want you to live this way for your own benefit, but I want you to live this way because I have a better way than you have for yourself. Jeremiah 29, There 11. you go. There you go. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for hope and a future. So that's, the me- that's my message, you know, the transformation message. God can change you. God wants to change you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to heal you. And I believe this with all my heart, that God's just, he's waiting for people to come to him like me. He was waiting for me. He was waiting for me to come up to that roof, yelling, hmm. screaming, cursing. He was waiting. He was just waiting for me to come. And when I came, he met me in a most beautiful way. And that's what God does. That's what he wants to do. So that's, uh, that's kind of my story up, up to where I am now and what God's done in my life. In the book, there's much more detail and, and different uh, things of, of what God did in my life. I have a ministry called New Life Today Ministries. It's 501c3. It's my evangelistic ministry. And as I said, right now, I, I preach in different churches and I'm putting together these events and I'm trying to get involved in local chaplaincy in my community. I'm still kind of new, so they're a little leery of me right now. Who's this guy? What's he about? But I'm persistent. I keep knocking. I keep going. And, and you know, in time, I know I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in there. They're going to see I'm not there for any other reason but to help. Because we got to put him in touch with Dr. Barnes. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. They would hit it off great. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. We'll, we'll do whatever we can from, you well, know, praise God. our point. And God has blessed us with a platform to, to herald the message, and we'll sure enough do it, brother. Praise God. Praise God. And how do they get your book? It's called Transformed When an Angry New York City Cop Encounters God on a Rooftop. It's by Pastor Andrew Columbia, and you said it's put out by New Life Today? Yes. My website is nltministries.com. And uh, if you click on the website, that's going to come right up. The book is going to come right up. You could order it right there, and we'll uh, we'll ship it right out to you. Very cool. We had a couple of people join us late on Mixler, and um, I um, I'm implore you to go back and listen to the, the message beginning. from the beginning when I get it posted on the website and hear it from the beginning because uh, um, that was so amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing how he ended up sitting here today. Absolutely. Man, I, I feel like I've had church. I needed that encouragement myself. I feel myself. like I just had a big, full meal. Yeah. You know? And I'm just like, yes. This Praise is good. That's what the word will do for you. <laughs> you bet. Um, Andrew, give your website one more time. If somebody wants to get in touch with you, has any questions uh, concerning your testimony, they want to grab a book. 
Sure. It's NLT, Nancy Larry Thomas Ministries.com. And uh, I have a Facebook page. You can look me up on Facebook, Andrew Columbia. There's also New Life Today Ministries on Facebook. I do uh, daily videos. I do little sermonettes usually every morning. And on Wednesday night at 8 p.m., I've been doing uh, prayer. I've been having intercessory prayer, and uh, it's been growing, and there's been some powerful testimonies. As a matter of fact, today, I did it this Wednesday, and a lady just let me know this morning that she woke up, and she had some severe arthritis in her legs and her back, and she said she woke up fine. She woke up healed. You're delivering Praise God. God, The power of God is moving, and uh, I believe in the full Mm -hmm. gospel. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit for healing, deliverance, restoration. Jesus came to bring life and abundant life. Well, maybe we can get together offline uh, and I can get some of those uh, daily snippets because we have a 24-hour radio station that loops on the Internet. WGSR.net. Actually, it's Freedom Radio Network. WGSR is no more. It's uh, freedomradionetworks.com. And um, I I could use some material in between the testimonies. Just our testimonies are running right now 24 hours a day. So uh, we have a lot of listeners overseas that tune in. And listen, so uh, if I could get some of those kind of daily snippets or little things like that that you do, that'd be great. Sure. I'd load them on there. Absolutely. Be glad to do it. Oh, awesome. Yay, Man, another what partner. a great testimony. <laughs> Whoa. Yes, sir. Wow. I am encouraged. Ah. I hope someone's out there is encouraged as well. Oh, I'm sure. <clears throat> well, please get in touch with us, God Stories Radio at Gmail. And like I said, uh, we want your testimony. We'd love for you to sit here, but if you got a call in, you can. If you got a write in, you can. We'll take it any way we can get it. Amen. And God will use it. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Thanks again to Andrew for coming tonight. And uh, like we said, we ask a lot of people, but not everybody says yes. But when the Lord tells you to go, <laughs> you go. Yeah. <laughs> and we appreciate it so much. Well, that about wraps it up for session 108. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. God bless. God bless. To everyone who's lost someone they love Long before it was their time You feel like the days you had were not enough When you said goodbye And to all of the people with burdens and pains Keeping you back from your life You believe that there's nothing And there is no one who can make it right And there is hope for the helpless Rest for the weary And love for the broken heart And there is grace and forgiveness Mercy and healing
from her eyes And for the children around the world Without a home Say a prayer tonight